Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how's it going, brother? Man, everything is good, DJ. You know how it is, man. We're, we're getting near the holidays. We're we're in the midst of bowl season, surprisingly. Like, you look up and college bowls are being played. And then we're getting down to crunch time. Last two weeks of the regular season in the NFL playoff, pitchers shaping up. So, yeah, things are good. Really exciting. Yeah, speaking of exciting, we've got a great guest coming up a little bit later on the episode today. I think you guys are going to dig it. It's one of the uh, the rising young stars in the coaching profession, and that's Jamie Chadwell, the head coach at Coastal Carolina. This is a... Uh, a team that's just been phenomenal this year, uh, running their record to 11-0, um, 8-0 in the Sunbelt Conference. They won that, including a, a win over App State. I'll say that quietly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they have been outstanding, playing with a redshirt freshman quarterback and running a real innovative offense. So uh, we were looking forward to this. We've been trying to get this conversation for a while. I think you guys are going to dig that. Uh, so we'll have that conversation a little bit later on uh, in the episode. Uh, but before we get there, Buck, we do have a big slate of games of NFL games this week I, I want to touch on let me give you the uh, uh the schedule for some of these here on uh on Friday Christmas 
we'll be doing our thing with Amazon. You can find mm-hmm. that. Uh, you can find it on Twitch as well, which is twitch.tv slash move the sticks. Uh, that is Viking Saints. That's 330. Uh, that's 3.30 Central time, I believe. Uh, uh, kick there, Vikings Saints. We've got Saturday, uh, the day after Christmas. We've got Bucks Lions. That's on NFL Network. We've got 49ers Cardinals. That's on Amazon. It's a triple header. Then the nightcap again on NFL Network, Dolphins and Raiders. So a full slate there uh, to get to uh, that. People are going to enjoy watching that on television. But there's also two other games I want to hit on here. That's Colts uh, Steelers. And we also have Rams Seahawks. So we're looking forward to this weekend. No, when you talk about those two games, the Steelers and the Colts, to me, that's the one that is intriguing. I believe there are a handful of teams that can knock off the Kansas City Chiefs. The Indianapolis Colts are one of those teams. And I want to see how the Indianapolis Colts handle the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers are in a free fall. Um, they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday night. They have an inability to run the football. Ben Roethlisberger doesn't look right when it comes to being able to push the ball down the field. And I just believe this team has lost a little bit of its stinger when it comes to the physicality. Meanwhile, on the opposite side of the field, the Indianapolis Colts are not what you think about the Indianapolis Colts. This is a tough physical football team. They have really leaned into the running game. And Phillip Rivers is a wild card who can get hot at any moment. And so if they get it rolling, this is a team that I absolutely believe can contend and make a push to the Super Bowl. And I want to see how they handle the Pittsburgh Steelers to kind of validate and confirm that thought. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna handle the Steelers. Steelers can't throw the ball. I mean, I, I tweeted out the other day. It's a par three offense. Like the drive, <laughs> it's not a bag. Like it, 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 it's all it is. It's just a chip and putt. It's chip and putt. That's all they can do. <laughs> it, they can. And so when you think about the Indianapolis Colts and how they play defense, this is a team that likes to play zone. They'll mix it up and play a little man, but they want to put their eyes on the quarterback and they want to rally and tackle. And we saw the physicality that the Cincinnati Bengals were able to bring by playing with their eyes on the quarterback and seeing all those crossing routes and knocking them off. Uh, You can see plenty more of those shots. And, you know, this team is built. I mean, the Indianapolis Colts are built the right way, DJ. We've talked about it. Um, Quarterback and the offensive and defensive lines. That's If you want to rebuild a program, that's what you focus on right away. You look at their offensive line as one of the best in the league. Their defensive line, when they added DeForest Buckner to go with the personnel that they already had in place, that made it. And then dropping Phillip Rivers in there because of – not because you need him to, to carry this team all the way, but because in a big game, if this breaks out where it has to be a shootout, he can win a shootout in a one, two, or three-game scenario. And so – I look at this team and this team is one that you need to keep an eye on because I think they built, the, I think they are built the right way. I, I think this is, you know, they, they have that saying, right. In case of emergency break class, it's emergency time for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And to me, when I look at Ben does not look healthy, he cannot push the ball down the field. He did not look good at all. Hasn't looked good at all for a mm-hmm. while now. And so when I say in case of emergency break glass, Man, I, I am a scramble drill right now if I'm if I'm on that offensive coaching staff and we are going to mix in. I don't know if it's Chase Claypool playing some Wildcat, if it's mixing in a couple trick plays, but you better come up with something because your regular dink and dunk par three offense ain't going to get it. No, it's not going to get it. And it's so horizontal. There's so many crossing routes and all that. And it worked at the first part of the year. And Ben wants to get rid of the ball. But as we're seeing with most of, most of these older quarterbacks, As you get older, you don't want to get hit. So you get the ball out of your hands quickly, but that limits your ability to stretch the field. And as you put this on tape week after week after week, defenses are beginning to condense the field and they're challenging the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then from a personnel standpoint, I don't know who scares you really in their wide receiver core. Like Chase Claypool hit the ground running, 
But people kind of got on there like, okay, but they can't throw it more than thirty yards down the field. He's ten yards in the clear, but they don't. Ben doesn't even look at him. Yeah, and so I, I just don't know. Like this team is, this team is. I mean, they're struggling. And DJ, if they lose to the Colts, that means if the Browns, the Browns, win, the Browns are right there. The Browns can backdoor the division. Yeah. How about that? Uh, before we get to uh, Rams Seahawks, can we can we put Nabil? Can Nabil jump in here on the little three screen? Because I want to see his face as we do a little uh, detective work here. Okay, Nabil. Here, I know you're back. You're back home. You're at your folks' house, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you print out the times for games, when you print them out from your home, which is <laughs> central central standard time, time which <laughs> nobody on planet Earth goes by central standard time. Nobody zero. So it is a it's a Midwest bias. We've known about your Packer bias for a long time, but I'm just just so you know, in terms of time zones, the least important and the most confusing is Central Standard Time. <laughs> I, I agree with you, and I I, just, I noticed that too. I should have mentioned that to you before we recorded. No, you know what? It's it's the Christmas season, and uh, and when we're here to forgive. Um, so, but I'm just saying, you might have a little coal in your stocking for a Central Standard Time. That's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> when the Packers go to the Super Bowl. It'll, it'll make up for that. Oh, there you go. Well, the NFC, the, looking the way it looks, you might be. In okay, good on, scale, on a scale of one to ten, what's your confidence in them going to the Super Bowl? Like, seriously, I know you're fan. Like, on a scale of one to ten, well, like an eight. If it goes through Green Bay, I think it, it's going to be a tough road. You know, you think home, you think home field matters that much? It'll be cold. All the West Coast teams coming in. You know, I'm expecting an NFC West team to come in. Who's the one team that you don't want to face? Probably the Tampa Bay Bucks. Why? I hope they really? Get, I hope they get eliminated. Why, why, why are you afraid of the Bucks? Because they, they uh, match up before. Yeah, this is matched up well against us. So I, I don't think they'll be uh, even there though. So they'll oh, lose the first round. You're, so. hoping, you're hoping for that. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. We'll, we'll see. I, yeah. I'm to curious. me, I think I'd be. I think I'd be a little bit more nervous if I were you guys. Probably about Seattle would be somebody that's battle tested coming in there. We're also one game scenario. Yeah. I, I think they're a little overrated, to be honest. Uh-huh. I, I actually been watching them all year. I don't. I don't think they're they're that good. So I, I, I'm not really worried about them. Last question. Last question for you, Nabil. If they if they play in Lambo, what time zone would that be? Would that be in? It'll be in Central Time. So okay, that's good. Okay, good. Uh, sure. probably, a, probably a noon kickoff. <laughs> all right, there you go. All right, get out of here, Nabil. We got to finish up. Um, all right, uh, Rams Seahawks. Buck, according to Nabil, the overrated Seahawks. Yeah, they already see it. I mean, you know, but this is funny, man, because the Rams typically play the Seahawks really, really well. They have a formula and a recipe that really works for them and against their defense. And I think these two teams are, are kind of the same in terms of I don't know what I'm going to get. I think the thing that gives you confidence in the Seahawks is Russell Wilson. But, DJ, here's a funny thing. I had to do something or whatever. The Seahawks are actually better when they use less of Russell Wilson, not more. Because when you look at their record, they're on for when Russell has two or more turnovers, which is pretty common. Turnovers, the big yeah. thing. They're 10 and 0 when he has one or fewer. And when they have been able to run the football and kind of dominate time of possession, it allows everything for them to play well in terms of their defense. Now, their defense has been eating up cupcakes. So we've seen people say, hey, they found the rhythm, but they, they haven't really played a powerful offense. Um, I'm just curious because I think the Rams, after losing to the Jets, we'll see the best version of the Rams. And they can challenge them in a few different ways, particularly with the running game. Man, the Rams got to bounce back. That was an uninspired effort, man. And I think you've talked about it a little bit. It was definitely the case of we're going to hit Jared Goff early, get him uncomfortable. And then on top of that, just from that Jets game, some of the play calling, which I love McVay. And normally I'm I'm all in on his his play call. But, man, 
the fourth down call, you're throwing a fade ball to Gerald Everett. I'm like, what, no, what are we so doing? Here, so, so this is funny. This stems from uh, watching the college game. I was watching Ohio State and Northwestern, and look, give, give Pat Fitzgerald and his guys credit for what they were able to do and gritty. But I'm sitting there watching the game, and I'm I'm looking at Ohio State. I'm like, what 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 are we doing? Like when you're the better team, when you're the better team, and you're like superior. You don't line up and do all the gimmicks. You just line up and say, look, we're, we're better than you. We're just going to line up and run it down your throat. Like that's yeah. kind of how you approach it. If you want to avoid upsets, like you you basically simplify and say, I'm going to let my talent overweigh me. I'm not going to try and show the world that, hey, I'm this fancy offensive or defensive coordinator. My guys are better than your guys. I'm going to let them play. And over time, over 60 minutes, they're going to wear you out. Show out, yeah. Yeah. And I felt like with the Rams, the Jets are 0-13. Come in with a – Let's hit him right in the mouth. Let's go right to it. We don't need to do all the other stuff. Let's run our basic stuff and let's hit it, run it. And I just felt like they played around. And then you mess around and you give the Jets confidence. And now you're in a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they better they better clean it up if they're going to beat the, the Seahawks in this thing. But that pretty much will decide the division, I believe, in that game. Rams, Seahawks. So looking forward to that one. We mentioned a little bit earlier uh, Raiders and uh, Dolphins. That will have some impact there on the wild card. Raiders, uh that charger loss probably knocked them out, but they've got to uh, they've got to handle their business the last two weeks to have some shot here. Yeah, and the, the Dolphins, like the Dolphins, are the ones that have the hard road because they play Vegas and they play Buffalo. Okay, yeah. now Buffalo is already clinched, but the Vegas game, they still have a little life, and depending upon who is playing quarterback, if it's Derek or if it's Marcus Mariota, um, is different. And the fact that they got embarrassed and lost to the Chargers a little bit, I think you'll see them come after them. And so this would be a huge game for the Dolphins in terms of their maturity. Are they mature enough to be able to go and and win this game uh, and, and really earn their way into the playoffs? And the Baltimore Ravens are lurking. And I think the Baltimore Ravens got a break in the schedule at the right time. I think yeah. it's enabled them to get back to who they are, running the football, doing some of these things, force feeding. I still think, like, when I look at their team on offense, I think they're really small at wide receiver. And for whatever reason, I don't, I don't know. I'm not in love with that because when I look at Hollywood Brown and like at Dermanane, they just look small. They look like a very small receiving well, Yeah, Boykin and Dez, those are the two big guys. Yeah, okay. But it just seems like sometimes when they have – I was like, it, maybe they just had them all on the field at one time. Yeah. I like, Man, look at all – like the little people. On what, the, what was that? What was it? The Who was the Smurfs? Was that the Redskins? <laughs> yeah, the Redskins back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. yeah. I guess I, – I don't know. Washington, Washington football team. I don't know how that works. Like, if you're talking about them in the past. And the, uh, yeah, you know what? That slid by because, yeah, that's tough. I need to ask because uh, growing up in North Carolina, my family members are big Washington football team yeah. fans. I, I guess that's what – I think that's what you probably have. You have to say that. I think WFTs. You have to say yeah, yeah. WFTs, yeah. I, I do wonder. I do yeah. wonder if they're going to change their name too or if they want to just stay just with this football team. Well, if they win a division, then you have to stay with us the lucky charm, right? Yeah, that's bad. not bad. You're one for one. All right? Like yeah. Liverpool and all Arsenal and all those teams. Or just go with it. Teams. Well, I do like the look with the, the uniforms are clean. Mark just yep. put a comment in the chat there about the uniforms. They do look nice. Yeah, the, the all burgundy. The logo. Yeah, yeah. I it. yeah I, I'm okay with that. I'm down with it. Um, all right, let's get to this interview. Uh, this is one we've been looking forward to. When you're at Coastal Carolina and your team finishes 12th in the college football playoff rankings, um, you're doing something pretty darn special. Ended up number nine uh, in the AP Top 25. Coastal Carolina has had a, a magical ride. And when you talk to people around the NFL, around college football, they've paid attention to the man who's making it all happen. And that is uh, their head coach, Jamie Chadwell, who's 
uh, really, really a rising star, as we mentioned earlier, in the coaching profession. And this is a conversation we've been looking forward to for a long time. Uh, here's our chat with Coastal Carolina head coach Jamie Chadwell. All right, Buck, excited to have Coach uh, Shadwell with us. Uh, Coach, first of all, congratulations on, on an outstanding year. I'd, I'd just be curious, uh, at what point in time did you feel like in this crazy offseason with all that you've been through um, that you might have a pretty darn special team? You know, I think the first the, the first time was uh, we played Georgia Southern. We came off a big win versus Louisiana. We lost our starting quarterback after that game. He missed the Georgia Southern game. Georgia Southern's a pretty good team, as you guys know, and, and, and we went in there. Uh, with our backup quarterback and our guys didn't flinch and there was never any doubt. They never panicked. Oh, we lost our starting quarterback. And I, I think then I knew like, you know, there's something different about this team. Uh, they just believe and nothing's sort of going to get in their way. And I think after winning that game, that sort of solidified. I, I just felt like, Hey, nobody's going to beat us unless, unless we allow them to. Uh, and it, uh, and it ended up being a special year. You know, Coach, and thinking about it being a special year, you had to navigate a bunch of different circumstances in the offseason. COVID, the unrest in the country. How would you keep your team together? You know what? I, I give credit really to our, our senior leaders. Uh, we've, got, we've got about eight guys that got here in 2016 right when we made this transition. And for the last really three years, they've been told how bad they are, four years, 16, 17, 18, how bad they were. And during this whole time, during all the different stuff, the COVID, the civil unrest, they kept us focused on on our, our team. They they wanted to they wanted to use their platform for change. They did that, but they never allowed us to 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 sway anyway. We we stayed strong in all the wins and all the turmoil. They stayed strong in their foundation, and I, I credit them tremendously because they kept us together during that off season when it seemed like everybody was trying to pull apart. They kept us together, and uh, they're they're the reason why we're undefeated right here is because of their leadership. Coach, one of, one of the uh, ways your names comes up when I'm talking to personnel buddies or if I'm, I'm talking to college coaches, NFL coaches, they talk about paying attention to what you're doing because of the creativity and what you guys are doing innovation-wise with your offense. I, I'm just curious, you know, when you guys come up with some of these new concepts, these new ideas, you know, what is that process like? You know, is that your staff getting in a room? Is that taking a little bit of something and trying to, to try and mold it into what you want to do? I, I'm just curious to get a peek behind the curtain of how you guys have come up with some of these creative concepts. Well, it, it comes down to, you know, who we are. You know, we try to we try to put ourselves in, in situations where we can sort of dictate to how the defense lines up to the other way around. Now, a lot of people try to do that with tempo. We try to do it by formations in our, in our run game being triple. And then you try to put your, your best players in positions to try to get them the football in, in unique ways. And for us, sometimes it's, hey, we don't know if we can block this guy, so we better read him. Hey, sometimes we don't know <laughs> if we can you know, do this or that or hold up. And so a lot of it's born out of who you, who you have and your talent and trying to obviously make the most of it, but also limit your weaknesses. And so a lot of us being trying to be creative is or how can we limit the weaknesses we have uh, and really showcase what the strengths are. And it comes back to those things. And each week we get in there, we have our base plays. And then we, all right, we want to get this guy the ball. What are we going to do that's a little bit different than we have done to put him in a situation? And we try to do that and have about four or five different ways each week. And you build off of it. Uh, and uh, part of, you know, part of what makes us, I think, is tough to defend is because we do run some triple. You know, how do you, in RPOs and all these different things, do, how do people defend you? Do they defend you as an RPO team? Do they defend you as a triple team? And then once we def see how they're trying to play us, then we try to attack that. The perfect example is BYU. BYU defended us an RPO team. Uh, they didn't want us to RPO at all. And, and we ended up rushing for 280 yards on them. Where I don't, I think anybody in the country thought there's no way we're going to rush on them <laughs> how big they were. And that was just sort of how it played out. 
You know, Coach, it's funny because you mentioned the triple. When I look at uh, football on Sundays in the NFL game, I'm seeing more quarterbacks use some of the option stuff. Lamar Jackson, I've seen Baltimore, Pat Mahomes' young little speed option in Kansas City. Do you get a kick out of having a mobile quarterback? And do you think the game has evolved that it's, it's almost impossible to play the game without someone who's athletic at the position? It's close. I mean, you, you've got to, if you're, if you're a pocket, you know, a pocket guy, you better, you better have an unbelievable mind uh, and a sharp mind and be able to at least maneuver the pocket because the defenses are so good. They show you so many different looks. The only way you can try to gain an advantage is with a mobile quarterback. Uh, and I mean, let's be honest, you know, all the, all the players that are athletic, they don't want to be in a lineman. They want to play a D line, you know, they want to rep the quarterback. They want to get <laughs> and so, you know, that it's a challenge to try to get five guys up there to play as one. And when you have a, a mobile quarterback that can su- do some different things, it, it changes the whole dynamic. I mean, as soon as as soon as Lamar got to Baltimore, I mean, they, they started becoming where they got a chance to win the Super Bowl every year. And that's because of who he is and the way he plays and the dynamic that he brings. And, and I, I think if you're not a dual threat guy, uh, you better be really, really good in the pocket. And there's some guys that are. You know, there's some guys that are great at that. We just don't have any of those, so we have to do it another way. <laughs> Coach, we've seen the NFL level, a lot of these rookie quarterbacks. I, I do these Charger games and see Justin Herbert and the success he's had right out of the gate. Uh, we see Joe Burrow was playing really well. The last few years, Lamar, we've seen all these young guys step on the field right away and have success. Uh, you've had a freshman quarterback that's lit up college football this year. What, what would you say if you're going to say the two or three keys uh, to getting a young player at that position to make him comfortable so that it, so that he can thrive? I think two things. One, um, I, I think you have to do what he can do. You know, so much, uh, you know, when you're an offensive guy, you, oh, we have our we have our offensive system and this is our package and we're going to run it. And I think that's when you make a mistake with young guys is you try to do too much with them. And with him, we, we know he's good at certain things. And each week, that's what we try to do. We try not to ask him to do something he can't do. And we'll ask him, hey, do you like this play? Not really. It's out. You know, I want him to feel comfortable with what he's doing. It might be a great play we need to run, but if, he, if he's not comfortable with it, that's one. And then two. Uh, the thing I think that's most important is with a young person, you gotta you got to instill them. They don't have to make every play. They want to, especially they want to try to prove themselves and to get him to understand, hey, it's okay to punt. It's okay to, to throw it away here and, and live another down. And we've tried to really work hard on those things where that way he doesn't put himself in a position where he can make a mistake. And, and you look at him this year, he had two interceptions uh, as, a, as a freshman, redshirt freshman quarterback this year, 23 touchdowns. And so he did those things extremely well. Uh, and then, you know, also he's just got some intangible things. And I would say we could coach, but he's just got some intangible things that make him special. You know, Coach, I want to tap into your quarterback mind yeah. and also your scouting expertise. So you guys played BYU a couple of weeks ago, and you had a chance to see Zach Wilson up close. What did you think about Wilson heading into the game? What did you like about him? What were some of the things that concerned you? Well, uh, he, he's, a, he's a special player. I think I didn't realize – I knew, I knew, I knew he was he was good. I did not realize how athletic he was until you saw him up close and personal. Like he can throw the football. He made one throw in our game that I mean, you'd have had to get a bazooka for everybody else to throw one, and he threw it out there. But his athleticism was really good. So you were worried. What we were worried about was he was just going to be able to sit back there and, and just pick us apart. They play action and some of those things. But he got out. He created plays with his athleticism that uh, that maybe he didn't have to do in other games because they were winning as much. But he made some plays there. He's a special guy, and I think he showed some toughness in that game. Obviously, they were down, uh, you know, and he put himself in position to win. So if I if I was at the next level there, and I'm I'm obviously looking for a quarterback, 
me up close and personal, and I know anything no NFL coach is going to ask me. But I thought uh, I thought he he is the real deal, and I think he's got a chance to be a really good quarterback in that league for a while. Coach, it was fun to watch him and to watch you guys in that game. It was a physical game. Uh, I love the way you guys played and finished that one off. Uh, we, we talked a little bit earlier about the challenge of trying to be able to protect the young quarterback. You guys have done something that's fascinating when you look at the height of your lineman, uh, most notably your center, I think has created a little bit of a national buzz there when you're playing with a five foot nine center. Uh, but we talked about earlier this year, the New England Patriots playing with a six foot three uh, right tackle this year. They're across the board. I don't think they have anybody six foot four on their offensive line. Now, uh, Bill Belichick, always known to be a little bit ahead of the curve. Are we uh, are we going to see something you think there where you can play with some of these undersized linemen? What is it that you can still be successful? We've always been obsessed with size and length up front. <laughs> well, I can tell you this: I got I got every email across the country from five nine and below. Uh, <laughs> they all love Coastal Carolina right now. Every last one of it. You know, I mean, part of it. You know, part of it's. Uh, is because you know when you go out and try, everybody's trying to get the six four guy and above everybody. And I'm realistic, you know, at our level, especially when we're building a program. If I'm getting a six four guy that looks like you know looks like the cookie cutter, something's probably wrong with him. And so we're not getting those guys that are ready made. We're getting developmental guys. And for us, if I sit there and say, you know what, we're only going to take guys that are this size and this, I'm going to get a bunch of probably a stiffies that can't really move. And so our our deal is we're trying to win games. And we're going to take who we think is great football players that love to play the game that are tough, and we'll figure out their size. You know, Sammy, uh, our, our, our center, is obviously an exception being 5'9", 300, but we've had other – I mean, our, our, our starting left guard was a true freshman this year. We list him at 6'1". He's barely 5'10". Uh, <laughs> and our first-team all-conference right guard has been a four-year starter. He's six feet. And mm-hmm. so – but they're tough. They love the game. Uh, now, length is important. Don't get me wrong. You love to have 6'2", six, 6'3", six, guys and all those different things. But you got to win the game and find guys that love it. And it's hard at O-line. And those guys, one thing they understand more than anything is they, because they're small, they've been told they're not good enough. So they have a chip and they understand leverage. And majority of those guys are wrestlers too and they know balance. And that's all offensive line is. Play, can you stay balanced? Can you keep your leverage? In it? And can you basically fight somebody for 75 plays? Uh, and what we've shown this year is our guys can do that and they play together and, and we've been able to win some games against some D-line that are considered probably really good because of those those things that we have there. You know, Coach, I'm a high school head coach. It's my second year and I'm in a situation that's similar to you where I'm building a program that is really built on development. What would be two or three things of advice, nuggets that you would give me as a coach to build a program that you're trying to take to the next level? Well, I think one, uh, the culture that you have has to be about accountability and there has to be the standard that you have at your program and nothing can and nothing uh, drops below that standard. I don't care if it's the best player on the team. Uh, you have a standard and everybody has to uphold that standard and you got it. And once they don't, there has to be consequences for that. And then I think secondly, uh, what really helped us is, is the why the purpose that you're playing with has to be bigger than just winning the games. And for us, our whole goal when we took over, yeah, we wanted to win. We wanted championships, but it was about playing for something bigger and having a common purpose. And our whole purpose here is what I try to get our young people to do is play for each other, play for the love of your brother and love of your teammate. And when you do those things, then you play above what your talent level is because you are playing for a bigger purpose. And that would be the two things, have a culture of accountability and your purpose has to be bigger than just winning. It has to be it has to be for your love for your teammate and love for your brother. And that's what we've done. And I think that's why we've had success. 
Coach, we, we talk about when you're hiring a coach, what are the things you look for? And Bucky and I have kind of come through our, our lists and put those down on paper. One, one of the words that comes up a bunch is, is authenticity. Um, you know, what, what does that word mean to you? And, and from a coaching standpoint, how important do you think that is? Well, I think that's uh, for me, that's genuineness. You know, are they a genuine person? And to me, I think that's spot on. I think in, in today's day and age, anybody, anybody can learn the X's and O's and what it takes to teach a certain route technique or uh, a certain, uh, you know, DB technique and all those things. But do you have the capability to relate to a young person and uh, empathize with what they're going through on a day to day basis and get them to play at a high level? And if you're not a genuine person, if you truly don't care for others and want them to su- uh, succeed through the sport of football, I think the game will show you show you up. And eventually it'll, it'll catch up to you because you don't have those things. Uh, and that's what I look for more than anything. Is I want good quality people that love young people. We'll figure out the X's and O's. And the scheme's important, don't get me wrong, but relationships are so big. I mean, 62% of my team comes from a single parent, 62%. Wow. And so if I don't have a, a fatherly figure that's one of their coaches that understands really what the big picture is about, if all I get is a guy that cares about football and his next job, then we're not going to be successful here. And so that's the most important thing that I look for is the type of people. And then we'll figure out the X's O's from there. You know, coach, in listening to you, everything is about development. And one thing that we're also seeing in National Football League, the teams that have the coaches who are the best teachers succeed. Why is being a great teacher such an important school to being a great coach? Well, uh, because you're teaching the game. And more, more important than that, you're teaching, you're teaching the characteristics that help you be successful. And so if you have if you can model if you can model what those examples are and then those those young people in your program see that consistently, then they start understanding the importance of it. And then once you they understand that importance of it, that trust, then they start then they start really getting into uh, wanting to know everything about what you're teaching. And if you are a quality teacher and, and again, that can be on the board, but really it's more so how you relate, how you interact, and how you can empathize with the situation young people is going in. And that's all about teaching. I come actually from a teaching background. My mom, dad, grandmother, we're all teachers uh, in and, and different ways. And I, I think that's what makes the best coaches because you are, you're teaching, you're teaching the sport of football. You're teaching all the different, you know, third downs, all those different things, the, uh, the, the, the importance of that, but really you're teaching life lessons. And if you, if you, if that's important to you, and I think your team will be successful because of that. Coach, you've been uh, very generous with your time, man. We, we appreciate it uh, tremendously. La- last question from me, and we'll let you run. Uh, Myrtle Beach, you know, Bucky went to North Carolina. I went to App State. So I think we've all, like, migrated down to Myrtle Beach at some point in time. Um, I, I want to know, how good, of a, how good of a mini golfer are you, Coach? I think <laughs> 9,000 courses down there. Well, I, I can tell you this. I can tell you this. My kids can't hold my jock. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm undefeated in my household, and until they get over, they got no shot. So, uh, but if you guys want to come down and visit, I got we got some NFL prospects. We got some coming. Heck we got yeah. some here. We got some coming. Come on down. We'll go get some mini golf. We'll get some all you can eat crab legs, and then we'll go hang out at the pier. <laughs> I, I, I'm in, Coach, and I have. I've taken a look at number nine. I've taken a look at the D tackle. We're gonna see him at the Senior Bowl. He's a good player, and I'll tell you what: ninety-four jumps off the tape. Absolutely, uh, watch him. He's a good one, man. He is a good one, and I, I think I think we got a tight end too. That's got a chance after this coming year, and then I think uh, I think our quarterback will get there as well. Yeah, you've got it. You've got a great thing going on down there. I'm not happy with you for for taking off uh, and whooping on my Mountaineers this year, but I'm I'm willing to forgive you. Uh, as a fellow- well, trust me, I'm hearing it on Twitter every day. So trust me. <laughs> 
I'm not hey. their number one fan. So hey, that's all right. We're we're in the we're in the Southern Conference quarterback fraternity, so we're we're connected here. And uh, it's been fun to follow your journey, man. You are a uh, you're a rising star in this profession, and it's been fun to to get a little peek behind the curtain of how you've built that thing down there at Coastal. So thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate y'all. God bless you. Thank you. Oh, there you go, Buck. I mean, I'm telling you, they do have good mini golf down there in Myrtle Beach, and apparently, uh, uh, Jamie wields a nasty stick there. He, he, he's uh, talking trash about his kids. He wants to something. I know, I know. Like, and you know, like having been in North Carolina, Myrtle Beach is the destination. It's the destination for go karts too. Like go karts, mini <laughs> mini golf, everything. And depending on if you're Myrtle Beach or North Myrtle, I mean, you, you get all the real golf that you want too. So, I mean, if if he wants to entertain and he brought out those crab legs. I, I don't mind making a trip. I don't mind making a trip down to Myrtle Beach. It's always a good time. No, he was impressive, though. I mean, uh, man, there's so many things he said that really stood out. But I love the fact of, you know, we talk about sometimes the, the entry point into the front front door can be a little crowded um, to the to the house of success for, for a phrase here. He's he found a side door, man. Uh, you find a little side door. Oh, you know, I can get some undersized players that are, you know, wrestlers and have leverage and are tough. And I can win with those guys. Uh, finding different formulas, I think that's what fascinates me about guys like that. Well, I think I think what fascinates me about guys like him, um, when you find a way to have success with less, I think it gives you an opportunity to be able to be successful at some of these bigger jobs that aren't ideal or perfect. So when I look at what Matt Campbell has been able to do going from Toledo to then being able to be successful at Iowa State, to me, it leads me to believe like he can go to a maybe a bigger job that isn't ideal. I mean, I'm not saying like the Arizona job or something, but like he could go there and be like, these are the circumstances that I've been in and I've encountered before and I'll figure out a way to do it. So they're less likely to talk about all the things that they don't have. They're able to look at what I have and like, oh, this is what I have. Here's how we're going to make it work. And that's what I got um, from coach talking about, this is what we have. This is how we have to work around it. We have undersized linemen. We have to take these guys and then we're going to take them and then we're going to put in a system that minimizes their weaknesses and we're going to find a way to have success. I like the creativity. I like being able to kind of figure out solutions as, a, as opposed to always telling me about what your problems are and why you can't compete. So hear me out on this. When we're talking about hiring coaches, um, you, you usually have a couple options, right? You can get guys that have been successful coordinators at bigger programs or in the NFL at NFL teams, or you can get guys who have been head coaches at, at lower levels and have mm-hmm. been able to develop their program and move up the ranks. So in terms of guys, think about, you know, Nick Saban was at what Toledo um, or wherever he was. And then he, he went to Michigan yeah. state. Yes. Uh, and yeah, so he had, he, he had a chance to kind of test out his, his program at, at lower levels as the head coach and kind of march his way up. Um, you think about um, who were some of the other guys we were just talking about, Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly being at, uh, at Grand all, Valley, be able to work his thing, all yeah. climb all the way up. That's why, to me, it's, it's fascinating. Matt Campbell's another one. You know, he was at Toledo, right? So then he had a chance to go from there then to Iowa State, not an easy place to win. He's been able to test these theories out as head coaches. And this is another one here with Jamie Chadwell, who's been able to do it at this level. Man, uh, I mean, I go back to Jim Trestle, right? Jim Trestle won big mm-hmm. at Youngstown State. Then he took that same formula from, you know, one double at Youngstown and applied it at, at Ohio State, and bam, off they go. I know we have, you know, I know we have guys that have been coordinators. You think about Lincoln Riley. Um, you think about Dabo as a position coach. He hadn't really been a head coach. I've seen it both ways. But, man, for me, I just prefer a guy that's been the head coach and, and built his program. 
Yeah, well, I think experience matters because I yeah. think what happens is when you get a guy who's already been a head coach, you miss out on some of that transition part in terms of the orientation and those things. Now, I will say this because I believe it's important that the guy can change his eye in terms of the talent that he looks for when he moves up a level. Because sometimes we've seen guys who move up, but their eye stays the same where they're always looking for the underachievers as opposed to, no, now I'm at a bigger program. I need to kind of up the ante when it comes to recruiting. But, yes, I do believe that experience serves you well. And I'll go back to this. Urban Meyer, too. Yeah, like Urban made his way. Bowling Green, Utah, Utah, Florida, 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 State, proven thing. I I will say this from a personal standpoint with Coach Brown. Coach Brown went from – Mac Brown. Coach Brown went from App, Tulane, um, made his way to North Carolina, then Texas, then back to North Carolina. And I think – what you get is when you get a guy who has done it and done it successfully, the formula and the recipe is tried and true. You know exactly what you need to do. And there's a level of confidence that comes with that that is able to be easily conveyed to the players and everyone involved. And so you say this, and I think in the pros, everyone is going to trot out these candidates and say, hey, this coordinator is ready and this coordinator is ready and this hot guy is ready. I don't think all of these jobs are ready for a guy that is trying to figure it out. Some of these jobs need to have a guy who can go ahead and get it done right away. I do want to ask you this because I'm fascinated because I get this sometimes on on my radio show on Saturdays. People talk about the general manager, and I've had this debate. Do you believe that for some of these jobs, it would be better to have a guy who has already experienced the general manager seat? He's already done it. Or do you think that some of the new guys like – our generation guys that we know that are ready for the job can jump into these big jobs and handle some of the responsibilities. So I, I look at it this way. Cause I, you think about it individually, right? What would you do if you were in this situation to me, I would want somebody on my staff. If you have never been a general manager, it's almost like a head coach, right? If you're a head coach, yeah. if you're Sean McVay, you've got a Wade Phillips with you there to yeah. kind of help you out and guide you. If you're a general manager, I think it's the same thing. I'm going to have somebody on my staff who's been a general manager or has assumed a lot of those general manager duties who can kind of help guide you through some of the things you don't know. I, I think the biggest mistake you make is if is if you get somebody who tells you they know everything. They don't. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. You better be able to understand what you don't know and you better hire around that. So if you don't have experience as a general manager, man, I want to have somebody on my staff who does. Yeah, I think I think that's important. I think it, I think it's essential. Uh, we talked about it when we had the interview with Brian Billick about having the triumvirate, the trio, like yeah. uh, the three-headed monster to be able to help make decisions. And so you may have the the final gavel, but having like those trusted confidants that can tell you the truth. And I think that's the bigger thing. Like, And sometimes that can be hard when you hire your friends, but to have someone that can tell you the truth, hey, DJ, I don't, I don't see it this way. Here's how I see this or whatever. Yep. Now, you may make a different decision, but for me, my responsibility is to always to be truthful with you and say, hey, here's here's how I see where we are. These are the things that I'm concerned about. Um, I may pause before making this decision. And so at least you hear that and we have to scrimmage that out before you make a decision. I think that is really, really important. Think about, you know, John Lynch went in and had that success right out of the broadcast booth. But yeah, Adam Peters, our buddy there. Yes. And Adam's been a director of player personnel and he's been around for you there too. Time. Martin, Martin, Martin Mayhew's been a GM. Been I almost forgot about Martin, yeah. Martin, who's outstanding. Who, by the way, I, he he should be getting some GM interviews if he hasn't been on this list already. Yeah, Martin but no, but I, but I, but I think that's important though, DJ. Like you, you're talking about that is okay. 
I know that I don't know everything. So let me surround myself with good people. And we've heard leadership people talk. Are you humble enough to know where yeah. you are? Do you have enough self-awareness to know? I may not be the best in this aspect, but I'm really good in these things. So I need to make sure that I hire good people that can help me handle these parts of the job that I'm not really, really good at or I'm not prepared for. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's important. I think it's important to do that. And I think you have to have enough awareness and do some inventory and continue to stretch yourself to know exactly who you are and how you can get this job done. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, I, I hungry, humble and smart, right? That's the things we've always talked about. You want guys that are hungry, humble, smart. You think about that from a player standpoint, from a coach mm-hmm. standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, hungry, meaning they're going to put in the work humble to realize they don't know everything and smart because they can actually take in information and make good decisions. Um, so when we talked about the skill sets we were looking for in head coaches and we kind of listed all that stuff out, for general managers, I think, to me, I, I look at really three three things. Communication, you've got to be able to communicate with everybody throughout the building, you know, from the owner on down, you know, to the coaches and to everybody in the medical staff, everybody. you got to be able to communicate well. Um, number two, got to have leadership um, to be able to be somebody that's steady, that's the same every day, know exactly what you're getting. And then the third one, I think this is the most important one, Buck, you got to have discernment. And, you know, maybe that's a word people don't use a lot, but discernment. And that to me is being able to ultimately make decisions, get the right people in the room to to get opinions and all that. And then you have to be able to take all this information, hopefully from the right group of people mm-hmm. and then have the discernment to make good decisions. That, that's yeah. it. That's the job. And seeing this, why I'm going to say the general manager is not about being the best evaluator. No. It's about being the best listener and decision maker, because the position is a decision making position. It's not an evaluation position. It's not about my ability to be able to necessarily see all these individual players and tell you this guy's going to be a star or whatever. It's being able to take all the information that I get. And as you say, discernment, make the right decision for the best interest of the franchise. And that comes with everything. And I think it's really, really important. And I think it's the same thing when it comes to um, the head coaching job. We can talk about uh, hot offensive coordinator and the plays and what they've done with an offense, but being a head coach is little to do with that part of it and more to do with like the macro part of the job, the vision of the team, the culture of the team, how I believe we need to build this team and play to give ourselves the best chance to win the division and more. And the best coaches that we've seen of late have been able to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a, it's a fascinating conversation. It's one that's ongoing. Uh, one that uh, uh, we both enjoy, but it was a it was a great interview there with Coach Chadwell. Appreciate his time. Uh, thank him for joining us. That's all we've got for today. Hope you guys have enjoyed the episode. Dug into some of these NFL games. Had a chance to talk with one of the hot young coaches uh, in in the uh, the sport of football. A lot of fun. Uh, anything else you want to add, Buck? As we wish wish everybody a Merry Christmas here. Knocking on the door. No, happy holidays for everybody. I hope everyone uh, gets exactly what they want in the tree, and we look forward to not only the close of twenty twenty. Uh, closing with a bang, but also a, a prosperous 2021 on the horizon. Yeah. Thank you guys all for hanging with us through a very crazy year here in 2020. We do appreciate you. Uh, look forward to catching up with you on the flip side here. We'll catch you next week right here on Move the Sticks. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. 
Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination, so pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order.